Do you feel called to serve God in your career? Check out some of the exciting job opportunities we have at Focus on the Family. We're looking to fill positions in marketing, IT, and marriage counseling. Work with other talented believers. Enjoy a meaningful, Christ-centered work environment. And use the skills God gave you to encourage others and help families thrive. To learn more, visit FocusOnTheFamily.com slash careers. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash careers. If you have tweens or teens, you're probably grappling with the question of their social media use. Or maybe I should say questions, because let's face it, the world of social media can be pretty complicated. In fact, just keeping up with all of the latest stuff, the hottest trends, the new app everybody has to have can feel a little bit overwhelming as parents. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, Focus on the Family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Well, I think it's safe to say that social media is a part of our lives now. It's not going anywhere. That said, I think we can also say that what began as a fun way to track down old friends has morphed into something much more complicated in the almost two decades since Facebook showed up. So today, our Plugged In team is going to talk through what you need to know about how adolescents are interacting with this influential medium, how it's affecting them, and some of the latest trends and fads in this area, as well as what we can do as parents to help them navigate this potential minefield. And in our second segment, Plugged In's Kennedy Unthank will join us to bring us up to speed with what's happening on season nine of Hallmark's smash hit series, When Calls the Heart. So all you hearties out there, you're going to want to stick around for that one. And of course, we're going to have another ferociously entertaining installment of Pop Culture Connection. Before we dive in, I'd also encourage you to follow The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a comment, leave a review, leave a like. We would love to hear what you're thinking about our conversations. Well, joining me today for our first segment are Kristen Smith, Emily Clark, and Jonathan McKee. Hey, everyone. How are we doing today? Good. Good. Doing pretty good. Well, today we're going to be talking about, well, in some ways you might think it's the subject, social media and how it affects our kids. And all three of you bring expertise into this area of our conversation. Emily, you're currently managing our social media posting on Facebook and Instagram. And Kristen, you have made a big contribution in this area in the past, and you're currently helping others in this area as well. Meanwhile, Jonathan, you have spent an enormous amount of your adult life both ministering to kids and helping parents navigate this complicated realm. Uh, And I think realm is the right word here. This is a big area. And what started as a small little fun thing that Mark Zuckerberg started back in 2004 has grown into uh, an incredibly complicated and complex thing that all of us probably engage with on some level. Not every platform is the same, nor do they all enable people to connect in the same ways. But I want to start with this sort of broad question. What are the social media platforms that teens especially are engaging with today? I think the first two that come to mind are Instagram and TikTok. Okay. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of it, but those are my first two. Okay. So I'll add two more to that list. Um, Twitch and Discord are also seeing an uptick in their usage. Okay. Jonathan? Well, uh, they just said (laughs) three of the ones I was (laughs) going to say. I will comment the interesting thing about Discord is that, you know, it used to be this kind of gaming 
thing. And it was one of those ones that I used to more warn parents about because parents would try to set the settings on their kid's gaming device to not chat. And then they would just jump on this other device and yeah. use yeah. Discord to chat with each other. Yep. Um, but now it's actually grown to where college kids, probably because a lot of gamers are now in college, <laughs> you know, and are using that and colleges use it for recruiting and for everything. So it's, it's grown into something much bigger for sure. It's interesting to see the metamorphosis of Discord. Yeah. yeah. And I actually want to circle back to that conversation a little bit later. I want to talk specifically about... Um, what some of the core issues are with these different platforms. Let's talk about where Instagram is at today. Because Instagram started as something that was really, I would say, image-focused. Yeah. But how yeah. has it changed and morphed over the years? Well, Reels has really taken over. I mean, that's the primary. And if I were a Reel, what would I be? Okay, so Reel <laughs> is TikTok. It is the same types of videos, short form videos. It's just on your Instagram page. So like if you're already doing Instagram stories, Instagram posts, Instagram TV, then you can also do Instagram reels. And it's just, it, it's basically, it's the one all stop for every form of entertainment that teens kind of look for right now. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. And everybody wants to be TikTok because TikTok literally, truly is number one among young people. It's the one that, you know, everybody's using. So everybody else is going, how do we... How do we duplicate this? Snapchat's trying it. Instagram's trying They're yeah. all trying to have yeah. that kind of thing. And, and it's kind of funny to see people emulate each other because the other one that's huge is, of course, YouTube. And people don't think of YouTube as social media. But anything where you're getting rated and commented and you got likes and followers, that's the kind of stuff that's putting pressure on young people today. So YouTube's in this category. Yeah, and TikTok's, TikTok's actually trying to be YouTube by adding the whole 10-minute thing. So it's interesting how they emulate each other. You know, I was going to uh, to save this for a little bit later, but I'm going to go here now. I think it's interesting with social media that almost all of them start with a particular fairly niche sort of focus. So yes. I would say Twitter started with 144 characters yep. and now it's more than that. You know, it's like, well, this is like double. It's, they've doubled it. Um, you have um, TikTok, which started as the app musically originally, and it really was pretty focused on kids who were doing covers and it was very music focused. And then it yeah. began to grow into sort of an all purpose video app mm -hmm. that now is as much about people doing funny and ridiculous videos as anything. And like you said, they just doubled their time limit. Um, YouTube obviously is kind of the granddaddy of video apps. Instagram started as something picture oriented and added text. Snapchat, their claim to fame was we're going to allow you to take a, a picture and it disappears in 24 hours, mm -hmm. which obviously raised all sorts of red flags for parents originally when it came out. But my observation is, oh, and Discord, as you mentioned, Jonathan, started out as a very gaming-centric chat app for gamers to be able to communicate. But if you go and look at Discord now, you would think you were reading about Facebook. You know, well, we're a community to talk about common interests, and yep. you can do video, you can do chat, yep. you can do all of this. The interesting thing to me is that all of them start out with a certain angle, and they all trend toward the mean. And so you've got TikTok, which is known for short videos, now doing long ones. And YouTube just added another section doing short videos. So YouTube's trying to be TikTok. <laughs> exactly. TikTok's trying to be YouTube. But they all, I think, trend in the same direction. Well, and honestly, 
there's there's too much to keep up with. I mean, right. it's good in broad strokes to to understand the lure of TikTok and the pressure, especially with all the sensual videos and bad language. And there's right. there's good things if your kids into gaming, it was good to know about Discord and, and you know, Instagram, self-esteem, young girls. There's kind of some broad strokes. But in short, uh, before this podcast airs, there's going to be another social media out that kids are, you know, fleeing to. And the <laughs> thing we need to understand as parents is anything where our kids are posting stuff where they have, a, you know, followers, likes, uh, where there's this pressure to, oh, let me get more likes and followers, and, and I hope I can get as many as my friend Taylor here. That's what's hurting young people. That, that's what, when I, you know, I did a school assembly last week, kids coming up and talking to me afterwards, and the one thing they seem to be resonating with is this pressure that it's creating for them to measure up to everybody else. How come I don't have as many friends mm -hmm. as my mm -hmm. friend Chris over here? Yeah, it's, and, it's and, a pressure and that's to what perform. We gotta be careful. Yeah, and I think that when we realize that social media does boil down into some basic constituent parts, there is often either a, you know, a photograph part or a video part or both, and then the ability to comment on that, it takes some of the pressure off for me as a parent to feel like I have to know exactly what's going on. Because ultimately, as you said, Jonathan, they're doing some of the same things. So let me ask this question. If if it creates so much pressure, why are kids so attracted to it? Let's talk for a few minutes about why kids want to be involved with social media, which may seem like a basic question, but I think sometimes we skip over the motivation. I, I think FOMO is a big part of it. The whole fear of missing out. I, okay. I, I think, you know, how parents come up to me at my parent workshops all the time and say that their 10 year old, 11 year old came home and said, all my friends have smartphones, you know? Yeah. And so this pressure is on. And that's probably why the average age in America that a kid gets a smartphone is 10 years old. And the first Good. thing they want is social media because, you know, all their friends are on Snapchat. So they got to be on Snapchat. All their friends are on TikTok. So there's this lure. And even if your kid doesn't have a smartphone, they watch TikTok on their friend's phone. And TikTok <laughs> is fun and yeah. it's addicting. You yeah. sit there and you're just, it's this variety show where you're just, oh, next, next. No, that's not entertaining. Okay. Next. I mean, for the ADD kid like yeah. me, man, it's just like, oh, I can constantly fill my mind with the, oh, that's a funny one. Yeah. yeah. It, it, is so absolutely it draws kids in it it's so hard because you can sit there and you can say well we're not going to give our kid a smartphone until they're old enough to handle it and things like that i don't think i got my first smartphone i mean granted i don't even think the first smartphone was invented until i was like you know 14 or something like that but i it, i had to wait a while before i got one but yeah it, what jonathan just said is correct the first thing i did was get social media and you know there's an excuse there it's like i need social media because it's the only way so i can connect with yeah. my friends yeah. but it, that's all it is it's not a reason it's an excuse it's like i want the smartphone for the social media to connect with my friends but really it, i mean how often are you actually on there connecting with your friends and how often are you on there just watching junk you know and i think that parents parents especially actually are very guilty of this we get on there because we're like oh we want to connect with our friends from high school oh i want to connect with grandma that's the excuse for why you get it but think about it how many hours do you 
that if you were to do a diagnosis and sit there and be like, okay, how much time did I actually spend talking to people on social media this week? And how, what percentage of that was actually devoted to either me watching videos or looking at pictures or exploring things that I've no business exploring, like news articles, you know, and I think you would notice, oh, I'm actually part of the problem. And I'm setting a very bad example for my children who are now going to go and emulate my behavior. Yeah, I think that's actually super important. I think a lot of why kids stay addicted once you get onto it is obviously dopamine, right? I mean, you have this, especially now with extremely short attention spans, and you have these... I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, what'd you say? These 10, 15, 30 second videos, right, where it's just a super short clip and you can scroll through endlessly on Reels or on TikTok. Um, and to your point, it's, you're right. When it comes to parents, like I have found myself, I, I did this last night. I hate <laughs> to admit this, but I was definitely laying in bed and scrolling through Reels. And time passed and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? And I have often felt extremely convicted that I am wasting so much time. And so there. It is so important to set boundaries for yourself because it's really easy to look at our kids, but we can get lost so quickly in something where we feel like we have a right to escape for endless hours. And that's not biblical. And there are so many ways that we could be using our time uh, that glorifies God. So, Well, and let me just say in response to that, I think that when we feel like our kids' lives are out of whack in this area... For many of us, helping our kids means starting with ourselves, Mm -hmm. which is what you just said. And even this week, I have made yet another recommitment to working on this area in my life because I'm actually on my phone way too much. And so the one thing that I have done concretely is to say, I'm not looking at my phone in the morning before I go to work because it's so easy for me to wake up and literally put my glasses on and the second reach is for my phone and there's important stuff, right? Like I want to know what's happening with the war in Ukraine. I want to know what's happening, uh, you know, with free agency, which is not as important as the war in Ukraine. Um, But I have found even just making the decision not to pick my phone up immediately has changed the way I approach my day. And it's given me a sense of freedom and freedom from compulsion And when I'm in that place, I'm in a much better place to help my kids do that too. Well, this is something we have to model. Absolutely. And it's also something as parents, we've got to be a little bit proactive about because what ends up happening is the more we're, you know, involved in our own world and our own busyness and in our own screens, let's be honest, um, our kids are left a little bit more unmonitored. And I think one of the attractions to some of these social media platforms, especially when like TikTok, is it's this unmonitored playground where you can go. And that's, and I think that's a scary aspect of it. I I was hanging out with a youth pastor named Josh last weekend, and I heard him say something to his uh, son. And I'm like, that's great. I'm going to steal that and use that myself <laughs> because he, uh, his son was like, well, dad, oh, what, can I have TikTok? And he goes, you know, Josh, he goes, TikTok's like, there's this field and a bunch of people have come out uh, with their own little displays and their own little shows. And you can walk around in this field and there's no parents there. And in some little booths and displays, there's people doing gymnastics or somebody who's funny or somebody who's singing really well. 
But in some of these booths, there's mm-hmm. somebody who's cursing and talking terrible, or there's somebody kind of dressed pretty provocatively and dancing sensually. And, and you can see all this stuff at the field, and it's kind of, you have to kind of learn, well, what am I going to look at and what am I going to not look at? And meanwhile, mom and dad aren't anywhere in sight. And you know what? He's dead on. That's exactly what it is. And that's part of the attraction to it. And so as moms and dads, we need to kind of pay attention to what our kids are paying attention to. I totally agree with that. I also would say, I think it's super important to remember that we're the parents. <laughs> like, I only have a um, a four year old. He's about to be five in October, and I have an almost two year old. So I can't speak from you know an older child where they get a lot smarter and they can convince you to do things that you didn't think you would do or you wouldn't say yes to. Um, but even in like with my five year old, he really. We went to Tennessee um, to visit cousins, and they play Xbox. Well, we have an Xbox, but we've never really let him play. And so he comes home and he wants to do all these things like he can he can grab my phone and he can scroll through and he knows what to do or he can turn on YouTube or, he you know, like he has this access now. And so we have to set super firm boundaries. And the other day I went up to our bedroom and I didn't know where he was. And he was sitting in bed. This is my four year old. He was sitting in my bed with the remote and was watching Dude Perfect on YouTube. That means he knew how to turn on the TV and get to YouTube and find Dude Perfect. Well, he got in huge trouble and like no more remote privileges and no YouTube because you will not just be surfing YouTube. Who knows what you could have pulled up when I was downstairs? And I was just like five minutes. I'm trying to work downstairs. And he just, you know, did his own thing. But anyway, the point is, is that I think it's really important to remember we're the parents. We set the boundaries. Have the conversations, of course. But if your kid is too young, like Jonathan, you mentioned statistically that kids get smartphones at 10. Like, what are you even doing on with this? On average. On average. That blows my mind. I don't know what you're doing with a smartphone at 10. Um, there's no judgment. But like, if you feel like it's too much for your child, you can take it away. You can say no. You can have a fresh start or restart, you know, or... If they have it, you can set the boundaries that need to be set so that it's a safe place. It's a safe environment and your kids will hopefully be healthy. So, like, I think it's crazy because what you're saying right here, it's not anything new. The idea that you can take it away. I think a lot of parents are sitting there going, well, they need the smartphone because they go to do the after school activities and they need to be able to contact which us. Which there might be truth which, to that. Nice yeah. parent voice, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's my, that's my go-to parent voice, which is funny. Because do I sound like that? I don't know. I, I currently do not know anybody who actually sounds like that. That's just my go-to parent voice. <laughs> um, no, but like, you know, when I was in middle school and I started doing my first after school activity, I they didn't have smartphones, but I was given a cell phone in case of emergency so I could call my parents. I can tell you that I maybe called my parents like twice in the year or two that I had it before we came back to the States and I got a real smartphone. But I remember texting all of my friends because that's what I primarily used it for. I used it for texting my friends. And Yeah, I kind of agree with you, Kristen. Like, what is a 10-year-old even doing with a phone? I think that... I think that far too often we look at social media and we look at smartphones and stuff and we sit there and we're like, okay, this is something that they've earned the privilege to have perhaps that, you know, all of their friends have one. I don't want them to be made fun of because they don't have it. But, you know, when I was that same age, I had a Game Boy 
And if I misused the Game Boy, if I was, you know, up late playing it in my room, or if I didn't get my chores done because I was playing the games or something, I would get grounded. And not grounded in the sense that, like, oh, go to your room or something like that. No, they would take away the Game Boy. They'd be like, and my dad would put it on top of the fridge. He'd take out the batteries. He'd be like, you can have this back when you can prove that you're responsible enough to use it again, you know? And that was the same rules that applied to smartphones. And, you know, as a parent, you have the power to say no. You have the power to discipline them and even say, hey, because you misused your smartphone, now you get the junky little flip phone. <laughs> and you can use that for a few days and you can be mocked a little for it. And then you can have this smartphone back when you prove you're responsible again. Well, let me just squash that to uh, this myth of I need to keep my kids safe. So let me give them a phone so they can call <laughs> me. Because first of all, they don't use the phone to call you. And yep. if you want to give them a phone to call you, get them a dumb phone. And it doesn't even have to be a dumb flip phone. It could be a cool, like, gab phone or something yeah. like that. They make these cool <laughs> looking phones. It at least phones. looks like a smartphone. Yeah, yeah, so yeah it looks like one, but but it makes calls, you know. But you don't give your kid – when you give your kid a smartphone, you're giving them a ticket to that field where they can go watch whatever they want. And, and, and that's what we need to understand a little bit. And Kristen was lucky that her kid jumped on Dude Perfect because Dude Perfect happens to be these – Christian guys that have this really cool YouTube channel. There's a lot of YouTube channels that aren't as cool as Dude Perfect. And we need to be kind of aware of what they're doing. And let's not hand them a device at 10 years old where they can go do whatever they want. Well, before we just like completely set social media on fire and run away and laugh hysterically <laughs> that it's burning or something. Um, hysterical I think, parent laugh. Yeah, hysterical parent laugh. Um, I think it is important. I mean, like Adam said, I do use social media. Part of my my business is to help others with social yeah. media and advertising. And so there's a lot of benefit to it, but I am an adult and even adults have issues with self-control with boundaries. And so <clears throat> there are positives to social media. There are ways that you can use it. Um, and I think even older teens who might be thinking that they can make money from it with reels and creator content and stuff, all, all this comes back, I think, primarily to conversation, to communication with your kids, to know what they're thinking and where they're going. And, you know, like having having that space where they feel comfortable to talk to you. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, and I want to um, I want to ever so gently and tenderly raise my hand and represent for parents who haven't got it perfect. Oh, yeah. I'm right there, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what I mean by that is last night I had a conversation with my 13-year-old, and I learned some things about things that she has done with her smartphone that I didn't know about. There you go. Um, and we talked about Instagram. We talked about TikTok. Uh, it was funny to hear her say, oh, it's so hysterical when mom sees a funny video on Facebook. I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw that on TikTok four months ago. I'm like, oh, wow, this is <laughs> snob, <laughs> snob city. Um, but we have regular conversations about what she is engaging with. And, and I do this with all of my kids. I don't know that we've gotten the boundaries thing completely right. So I'm going to just, <laughs> I'm yeah. just going to toss that out yeah. there. I think that in the midst of that, we work hard to stay engaged and know what our kids are engaging with and setting those time boundaries and place boundaries are important. And sometimes it goes out the window and maybe your kid has been on YouTube and you don't know maybe what they've looked at. And so I talked about that with my daughter last night. I said, so what happens when you, you know, do you ever see anything that you feel like is inappropriate? She's like, Oh yeah. And I said, well, what do you do? She said, well, I just scroll on to the next thing. And I'm like, okay, kudos for that. And Oh, by the way, 
I probably need to be doing a better job monitoring what she's engaging with. And so I want to also emphasize as we set boundaries, as we really try to do our best, we may not always get it right. Yeah. And that's where the relationship and the ongoing conversation comes in. And and I'm not trying to just be an apologist for weak, undisciplined parents, although it might sound like that. Um, <laughs> but I also want to know, sometimes as parents, we we feel like we've blown it. We haven't gotten it right. Well, and let me just emphasize that what Kristen and what Adam, you both just said was, we have to dialogue about this. We have to have conversation. I'm going to go out on a risky limb and say, I think that's more important than the boundary. The connection is more important than the correction. And I'm not saying don't correct. I'm, I'm the one who's saying, don't give your kid a smartphone till high school, you know, uh, but that connection I feel is more important than the correction because what's going to happen is those conversations are where we're teaching our kids the truth so they can, because if they want access to illicit material, yeah, they're going to find it. Yeah, they're going to find it. Um, but those conversations about truth are going to equip them with the decision-making skills to do this rather than just hoping that our boundaries block everything from yeah, them. Yeah, that's good, Jonathan. No, I love what you just said, Jonathan, because it's true. And what all of you just said, really, you are going to miss stuff on social media. You can sit there and you can police the social media. You can add all the parental controls. You're still going to miss something because, unfortunately... You kids know, are smart. We, well, <laughs> kids are smart, but actually, I was I was actually gonna you know give kids the benefit of a doubt here that you know the world we live in a fallen world and there are people out there who realize oh this hashtag is trending on TikTok I'm gonna use this hashtag to get my illicit material out there mm. you know so it's like it doesn't even have to be your kids intentions could be yeah. completely innocent they could be looking up you know whatever the latest trend is and they could stumble upon something that has nothing to do with it yep. but that got tagged with That's that right. same hashtag so it's like you could do everything correctly that doesn't mean it's that you know evil isn't gonna find its way in there you know yeah. that's just kind of the world we live in well and I think that to bring this conversation in for a landing and it's been a good one we've covered a lot of stuff here and there's a lot more we could say i could keep going on and on (laughs) Um, (laughs) i think that we have to have both arrows in our quiver although it makes it sound like we're shooting our children Um, (laughs) i think that we have to be mindful of the boundaries of correction of discipline even as we're seeking to cultivate relationship with our kids and i think most of us as parents probably tend one way or the other and probably are weak in the other area. I think both my wife and I were heavy on relationship and we're not that great or consistent with discipline. There are going to be parents that are out there that are really great with boundaries that aren't necessarily great with relationship. And, and it's our job as parents to understand that they're both important components as we try to help our kids learn and grow and understand how to relate to this thing that's going to be a part of their lives without letting it take over their lives. And to pray for them, guys. Like, and to pray for as them. As much as we need Good prayer, thought. like just to cover our kids anywhere they go when they're at school, you know, like we're not their savior. We're not going to be their savior. And how much trouble did we get into when we were younger, right? And Some. we might not, have, <laughs> we might not have had smartphones, but I know my parents prayed for me um, and that they had to release me and, you know, remember that God was in control. Beautiful. And I think that is a great place to end our conversation. Thanks, everybody. 
Well, let's shift gears a bit now. Over the last nine seasons, Hallmark's drama When Calls the Heart has been a huge hit and earned legions of fans, as I mentioned in the intro, called Hardies. But as with lots of things, there are always new folks arriving to any given franchise, and we're picking this one up maybe a little bit late if you're a hardcore When Calls the Heart fan. But if you haven't watched this show, we wanted to give you just a little taste of what it's all about. Our reviewer, Kennedy Unthank, recently reviewed the first two episodes of Season 9, and we're going to talk about that. Welcome, Kennedy. Hello. Well, Kennedy, for those who are unfamiliar with the show, what's the overarching storyline here? Yeah, so the show focuses on Hope Valley, which is this little mining town in the 1900s. And it's in Canada somewhere, right? Yes, it's in Canada. Okay. Um, But it focuses on specifically the characters who make up this town. Okay. Now, each one of them comes with their own uh, form of baggage and backstory that is going to filter into how they as a character act and how they react to one another. Um, And so you start to see uh, how this town is just built up of all these people who... You know, maybe they, they're lovable or they're hateable, you know, but, right. but they all come together and you, you see this really lovely story of a small town that's kind of somewhat struggling along, somewhat prospering along at other times. And you just really get to appreciate these characters for who they are on, on an individual level. Okay. So it sounds like it, it's really an ensemble drama. So we have lots of people that we can potentially root for and oh, yes, and maybe yes. some that we, we root against. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, that's more than a fair <laughs> assessment. In fact, uh, for a few seasons, there was a love triangle between the main character, Elizabeth, and two other characters, Lucas and Nathan. And what was interesting is you saw that the fan base kind of split on these yeah. people. There were some people who were really excited about the prospect of Elizabeth with one character over the other. And though both of the characters are, are quite good men, there was a split because people had different interests. They had different opinions on uh, just what the baggage that each of the characters brought. And that's what made the show so compelling. Yeah. You know, okay, I'm, I'm going to get real here now. Um, my my family, we have watched this show. Um, and And so... Elizabeth made her choice at the end of season eight. Mm-hmm. So she chose Lucas. And so season nine is sort of picking up with that yes. multi-season conflict resolved. I told you I would wait as long as I had to. You were ready to leave. And that would have been the biggest regret of my life. You're all that matters. You're all that's important. But I just have to say that when my family and I watch the show, my daughters are like literally throwing stuff (laughs) at the TV every time Lucas is on. Um, And he's at a good place now, but for a couple seasons, he was pretty shady and we weren't sure what his motivations were. So that's part of the reason why, you know, people are mad that Mm -hmm. she picked the wrong guy. (laughs) Well, what else... Um, and, and I apologize for hijacking your answer. I oh, just no, wanted, no. To, wanted to toss <laughs> that in. What else do parents and families need to know? I mean, is this pretty typical Hallmark fair? Is there anything that's going to be a big surprise here? Yeah, this is pretty typical Hallmark. It's really generally tame. It's uh, the worst you're probably going to see is a few passionate kisses. Yeah. Uh, even Some people die. You know, this is it is a show about real life in a small town. Some people do, in fact, die. 
Um, however, it doesn't go so much as to glorify it. It's more of a, yes, this happens. Um, in fact, and here's a little uh, foretaste of season nine, one of the characters is going to be in a life or death situation. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, and I make that noise in it. It sort of is, there's a degree of melodrama here mm-hmm. that, you know, almost every episode has a little cheesy, a little yeah. bit of a, a cheesy, if not cliffhanger feel to it. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, what's going to happen this week? Um, and I know as my family and I have watched it, we, we certainly have looked forward to the resolution each week of those cliffhangers, but yeah. you know, like the mindless lemmings we are, we keep coming back for the next one. Um, and I think it's because it is such a feel-good story it at is, its heart. It is, yeah. And I think that you're exactly right in saying, um, honestly, of everything you could pick on TV right now, you are reviewing a ton of TV for mm. us these days, Kennedy. And I um, I think compared to almost anything, man, this feels like pretty wholesome throwback entertainment. It's really nice when I can just put down the pen and just watch it for a little bit and yeah. not have to consistently write content issues that parents might want to be aware of. And I think that's a great summary of this show. I mean, it's a very sweet show at its heart with just enough drama mm-hmm. to to keep you engaged and wondering what's going to happen. Um, but I don't think there's anything that's going to happen here that's going to have you face palming as a parent. Would you agree with that? Can I would agree with that. All right. Well, thanks for helping us know a little bit more about When Calls the Heart on Hallmark. And I believe it's on Amazon now, too, as well. Is that right? Yes, yes. So if you don't have the Hallmark channel, you can find it there as well. Thanks, Kennedy. All right. Thank you. Well, now it's time for a part of our show we like to call Pop Culture Connection. And each week, our awesome producer, Ashley... Well, she gets a chance to play Stump the Chump, and she has questions for us that we have to provide as many answers to as fast as we can. We have 30 seconds, and Ashley is not only the giver of the questions, but our official scorekeeper. That's right. So uh, with no further ado, Ashley, I'm ready for you to, you know, just unleash your questions awesome. on us. Awesome. I'm going to pick on Kristen first. Oh. <laughs> okay. Because I've got so a great question sweet. for you, and I can't wait to hear your answer. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. All right. Here's your question. You get a chance to interview a Disney princess. Who do you choose and what would you ask her? Okay, I would, only one? Okay, I think I would interview, (laughs) oh gosh, the girl from Tangled, I think is her name, Rapunzel. And I would want to know why she stayed captive so long. Why didn't she just break out? So annoying every time I watch it. Um, This is terrible. What else? I don't know if I have anything else. My brain just froze. I just really want to know why she stayed captive for so long and why didn't she just like do something about her life situation? Why did she ever cut her hair? One ever. Why did she cut her freaking hair? (laughs) Y'all, I like. Why did she think it was okay to fall in love with somebody who she had met once? I just want everyone to know that this is the most anxiety. Like, this is filled with anxiety, this portion for me. Oh, but it's supposed to be fun. It is fun. Yeah. We actually are having fun with your anxiety. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Someone else go. All right. If this was golf, you just won. That's that's lame. Jonathan, you're about to get 10. questions. I know. All right, Jonathan. Jonathan Jonathan has like four Red Bulls before this segment. (laughs) (laughs) Jonathan, you're up. I don't need Red Bull. We got Uh you. You ready? How many cups of coffee did you drink, though? All right. All right. (laughs) Jonathan, <laughs> your car radio is stuck on a station blasting only 80s music. What song makes you rock out and why? 
You know, I would definitely have to go with Jesse's girl. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> well, you just said it. I just did because, I mean, Jesse was a friend. He was a friend of mine. But he's got himself a girl, and I want to make her mine. Yeah. And, you know, I've been in that situation so many times that I just have to relate with Jesse. But, you know, then I got Jesse's girl, and I realized she wasn't the one for me. And so then I was looking at my other friend Kurt's girl. And then, of course, that doesn't really sound as good as a song. So there's, yeah. Okay. See, Kristen, I'm right with you today, yeah. baby. Yeah, I think so. I, I scored about three for you as well. Jonathan, you and I can start. <laughs> that was a, way more we can entertaining, start a, though. A Jesse's girl support group later. <laughs> I, I wish we need the we need to post a picture of Adam's face when I said Jesse's girl. <laughs> it was so. It was like this face of Are you kidding me? He's like of all the songs. <laughs> oh, there's worse. Nice. That, that, that wasn't as bad as you could have gone. <laughs> all right, Emily, are you ready? Sure. Imagine a used car lot. But instead of cars, you see spaceships, Ooh. the Millennium Falcon, the Starship Ooh. Enterprise, the Battlestar Galactica, Serenity, or the TARDIS. Which one do you choose and why? Millennium Falcon, because Star Wars all the way. I love all those other franchises you just mentioned, but I'm going to go with Star Wars because tried and true. Um, no, because uh, Chewie would be my co-pilot because it has the smuggling boxes, because it has the golden dice, because it can... Um, it can, oh my gosh, it can make the run. I can't Kessel remember run. what it's called in less than 12 parsecs. Kessel run. It can make the Kessel run in, <laughs> Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. Um, and just because of everything... Uh, I was going to say everything about the lore, but I don't it's think that It's the counts. Millennium Falcon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I got six, actually, for Ooh, Emily. You were in the lead because so, nice it's been an job. off week for Jonathan. <laughs> yes. I love that that's the only like standard for where I can win is that Jonathan is off. No. Well, hey, hey, Kristen and I are high-fiving right now. That's right. We're, we're, we're going yeah. for the golf score. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kennedy. A couple weeks ago, we talked about board games. So my question for you involves board games. Ooh. You get to spend one day living out a board game. Which one suits your fancy? Candyland, Monopoly, Risk, or one of your own choosing? And why that one? Uh, I'm going to do one of my own choosing. It's called War of the Ring. It's based on Lord Ooh. of the Rings. Uh, and it's fair. one of the most mm -hmm. intense strategy board games that I own. One player gets to play as the free people. The other gets to play as Sauron. Um, I can't decide who I'd like to play as, <laughs> but no, the, uh, I, I just love all the lore with Tolkien and I love just the whole world he built. The man wrote two entire languages just so he could write a book. And I think that's really impressive. Nice. All right. I counted four on that one. So Emily right. is still in the lead. It's me versus Adam. All right, Adam. <laughs> Coming for you. <laughs> well, here I got, I got go. the eye of the tiger. I hope it's a question. <laughs> all right. You ready? I'm ready. A production company contacts you about making a movie of your life. Who should they cast to play you and why? Oh, oh it, would, it would have to be Jason Alexander because for many years now, <laughs> most people who meet me are like, do you know who you look like? I'm like, yeah, I do. I look like George Costanza. Thanks. That's awesome. That's always who I wanted to look like. It's, it's interesting. When I was younger, I, I had long curly hair and I looked like Dennis Miller. But somewhere I went from being Dennis Miller to George Costanza and I think Jason Alexander. And, but Jason Alexander, I mean, he represents for old fat guys and I, and I really appreciate that about him. Nice. All right. Well, I got three for you. So I think Emily is our, Emily crushed our winner it. this yeah. Absolutely. 
I'm very happy. <laughs> That's the first time I've won. And yes, that is my happy sound. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a particularly awesome, ferociously entertaining installment of Pop Culture Connection. We hope you enjoyed that. And we hope you enjoyed our show overall today. And we would love to hear from you. What are your questions with regard to social media and, and the things that either your kids are into or maybe that you have questions about or uh, if you're not sure how to respond to something that they're doing via social media, let us know on Facebook or Instagram, um, or you can shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com, and we would love to hear from you. And to say thank you for being a part of our Plugged In Show family today for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Jonathan McKee's latest book, Parenting Generation Screen. And you'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the Plugged In blog entry for our conversation this week. Or just give us a call at 800-A-FAMILY. Well, thanks again for joining us today, and we look forward to connecting with you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. Clubhouse is really edifying in every part of it. A resource that supports your values. We subscribe to other magazines and every once in a while there will be a story that questions a parent's authority or kids behave in a way that I don't like. And we never have that problem with Clubhouse. I can trust it. Learn more about Focus on the Family Clubhouse and Focus on the Family Clubhouse Junior Magazines at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Club Radio.